Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Some of God's most beautiful miracles and greatest work is especially evident in the aftermath of our darkest and most painful experiences. After the dark days of the crucifixion of Jesus, light breaks forth in His resurrection. After hurt is healing, after brokenness is mending, after death is life. Through this series, we are learning to pay attention to how God is moving and growing our faith in and for the aftermath. Well, what is this, like week seven? I think it's week seven. I think it's seven weeks in a row now that... I'm talking, and I'm not just talking to cameras because there are really, really special people standing on the other side of these cameras, whether operating them or just sitting in this room, but it's still weird, man. And I feel like we're in, that, we're in the weird time of this entire season. You know, the first couple of weeks, if you're like me, like the first couple of weeks, weren't that bad. I don't know if we were just running on adrenaline because things... Just, just quickly shifted. And like, I've been trying to process all of this over the last couple of weeks and thinking about that week that all these executive orders began to unfold and, and it turned out that we weren't gonna have church. And, and, and I remember like, y'all, I'm stubborn. And, and, and those of anybody that knows me out there just really said amen, especially my wife. But I thought, I, we were sitting in a staff meeting and Lyle, who's our executive pastor, slash prophet, brought up this whole coronavirus situation. And I remember thinking, dude, like, this is crazy. This isn't going to bother us. This is, this, this is no big deal. Um, Lyle, I apologize again. You were right. But here we are seven weeks later, and it's kind of like we've gotten to that point where we're far enough from where it started that it's, the beginning kind of seems like a blur but we don't know how far we're into it so we can't see the shore of the other side. We're in the place that nobody enjoys, the middle. In the middle, the worst place in the world to be. And I don't know, maybe some of y'all are out there and like you love the middle. I hate the middle. There's nothing fun about the middle in any scenario. Middle children, can I get an amen? Like, you're not the oldest, so you didn't get to experience all the first stuff. You're not the baby, so you don't get pampered and, and all the other things. You, you're, you're in the middle. Middle children out there, give me, give me an amen. Type it in the chat if you're on church online with us. It's different. Have you ever been in a car ride and fought over who has to sit in the middle? Nobody wants to be in the middle. Especially if you don't know. How, like, if you, it, you, you'll get in the middle if, if maybe you're going five minutes down the road, but if you don't know the duration of the trip, I ain't sitting in the middle. Like it's, it's hard being in the middle and the middle, the middle is the most dangerous moment because it's easy to lose motivation in the middle. Like when, when it first starts, you're thinking, all right, I can, I can do this for a couple of weeks. I can do this for a month. Like I can do this. 
And even if like you, you're, you're getting close to the end and you can see the end, of, end in sight, you can see light at the end of the tunnel, it's, there's motivation to keep moving. But when you're in the middle, when you're so far from where it began, the starting line is fuzzy. But you don't know that you're far enough in it to see the finish line. You're in the middle. And it's easy to lose motivation in the middle. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? Think about like, like in anything in life, that, that middle, that, that middle ground, that hump that you have to get over in order to push through. Like we've all been in the middle. And I just, I'm afraid that there's a lot of people that you're in the middle and you're starting to lose motivation. That when this all kind of started, like, like y- y- you had that motivation to, to be the best homeschool parent in the history of the world for two weeks. Now you're working from home and they're homeschooling and it's like, okay, enough is enough. Like you're, you're in the middle and I feel like there's a lot of people that, that are starting to lose the motivation to stay motivated to continue to do all the things that we've been doing. Like when we, you know, it was great. Zoom calls with our life groups were awesome for a couple weeks. Now, I just want to see somebody and give them a hug. All of us extrovert, touchy-feely people. Like it was, it was, it was even awesome to be laid off for a little while, drawing unemployment, sitting at home, but now it's like bills are coming due. You don't know how long this is going to last. Finances are starting to be frustrating. You've had enough of your husband. Like, in the middle. And then, like, I, I'm having conversations with people, like, like they're, they feel like, yeah, they're in the middle. They're in the middle of their business collapsing. They, they're in the middle of financial ruin. They're, like, they're in the middle of, of really scary potential. And it's hard to stay motivated in the middle. And like here I'm up here standing on this platform as the pastor of our church. And I have this voice now that's going into these cameras and getting put on YouTube and broadcasting all over the world. And I feel like I have to use my voice to keep people motivated in the middle. It's like, Matt, like how, how do I stay motivated? How do I stay motivated to keep believing in God? How do I keep, how do I stay motivated to believe that God is good when life really isn't right now? How do I stay motivated to keep reading about the promises of God when I'm in the desert of life? Like how do, how do I stay motivated? And I, what, what is motivating me right now is holding on to a belief that, yeah, we're in the middle, but we're in the middle of the making of a miracle. Like, I believe we're in the middle of the making of a miracle. We started this series, and this whole aftermath series, the whole premise of this series is that our God does his best work in the aftermath. That in the aftermath of life's most painful moments, our God does his most beautiful miracles. Well, if that's the case, there must be a beautiful miracle coming. Because I don't know about, 
I don't know that we're individually in the most painful moment of our lives, but I would say collectively, this is the hardest thing we've ever had to all go through. Like, yeah, I know that like there's a lot of people that this isn't impacting your life like other things have impacted your life. You've had individually more painful moments than you're experiencing right now. But collectively, not just as a church or as a town or as a county or as a country, but globally, we're in probably the most painful moment that we've ever experienced collectively. And if what we've been saying over the last few weeks is true, then I have to be a little bit excited. Because if it's true, then in the aftermath of our most painful moments, God does his most beautiful miracles. That means we're in the middle of a miracle in the making. Like there's, there's a miracle in the making. Like there, there is going to be something amazingly beautiful that happens in the aftermath of all this. That something really like, like monumental kind of miracle is about to happen. Like God is in the middle of doing something miraculous in our lives. And I believe that really in the aftermath of all this, what we're going to experience when we get back in this room is going to be so unbelievable that it'll drown out a lot of the frustration that we're experiencing in the moment. But we got to get there. We got to get there. And if we lose motivation in the, middle, in the middle, we'll never get to see the miracle. If we lose motivation in the middle, we'll never get to see the miracle. And it was in, in the aftermath of the resurrection in the aftermath of the greatest miracle that our God has ever done, that God does some really cool things. We, we're leaning in to the whole Easter story because we, we didn't want to just celebrate Easter for a day because the, the Easter miracle was just really, it wasn't the end of the story, it was really just the beginning of it. When Jesus rose from the dead, it wasn't the crescendo of the Christian faith. It was, it was the miracle that launched everything. Because see, in the aftermath of the miracle is when God truly advanced his movement. In the aftermath of the miracle, God advanced his movement. It was in the aftermath of the resurrection that Jesus gathered up the first people to follow Jesus together and gave them the keys to the kingdom. And if you move beyond Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John into a book called Acts, what you see is miracle after miracle after miracle that continued to launch the movement that Jesus started into places and spaces that nobody ever thought possible. The very thing that they intended to use to kill the movement of Jesus is the thing that fueled it. Jesus rose from the dead. And in the aftermath of that miracle, God advanced his movement. And before Jesus would ascend back to heaven, he gathered his followers and he said this to them in Matthew chapter 28 verse 16, Matthew 28, 16, it says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee 
to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In the aftermath of the miracle, the greatest miracle in the history of the world, Jesus coming back to life, he gathers up his disciples and says, now it's your turn. You've seen me, you've walked with me, you've been a witness to every single thing that I've done. You've heard me teach, you've watched me heal. Now go, go into all the world. And tell every person that you can, every person that will listen, what I've done, what I've said, what I've taught you. Go make disciples. Keep the movement moving. And that that wouldn't be what all he would say. Go into Acts chapter 1 because the writer of Acts, a guy named Luke, tells of some other things that Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended back to heaven. Acts chapter 1, start with verse 8. Jesus says to the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid them, hid him from their sight. Before Jesus left, he looked at the first followers and said, go, go. That in the aftermath of the miracle of the resurrection, I'm going to advance my kingdom and I'm going to use you to do it. That this movement has a mission. This movement has a purpose. From the onset, Jesus never intended those who follow him to merely be spectators in this. He meant for us to be participators in this movement moving in and throughout the world. That he gave us a message. He gave us a mission. And right now, in this season, believe it or not, I think that mission is being accomplished as as well and as widespread as it has ever been. I hear I hear a lot of I hear a lot of weird things in this season. It's almost like the church is so busy complaining about we can't meet that we've lost sight of our mission. But the gathering isn't all the church does. The gathering of God's people is one thing the church does. It is not all that the church is. And maybe God is wanting to use this season to reteach us that lesson, that we believe that the mission that he gave us is centered around a building or centered around a single piece of who we are. I love gathering together as much as anybody. Like I I can't stand that we're not having church in this building. I can't stand that we're not gathering to worship. But you know what? We can get so consumed with what we're losing that we can't see what we're gaining. 
that right now I'm talking into a camera and this video is going to be put on a medium that the entire world can access. And before this is over, I'm going to preach the gospel in a way that's going to get into hearts and minds of people that will never sit in this room. And I'm going to celebrate the salvation of those who will never sit in this room, but will sit in heaven. And I can't wait to meet them. (laughs) Someday in heaven, somebody's going to high five me for the message I preached in April of 2020 from Sweden or Australia or who knows where. Do y'all realize that we're flooding the internet with the gospel like never before? That more and more people are online leaning in. And so the The movement has a mission, and the mission of the movement has always been to spread the message of the miracle. The the mission of the movement has always been to spread the message of the miracle, the miracle that God sent his only son into a fallen and broken world in the form of a baby. The miracle of the fact that God himself stepped out of the comfort of heaven and into the chaos of earth and walked this place and knows what it's like to be human and lived a perfect sinless life and gave up that life of his own accord to be a sacrifice for our sins, was crucified, died, and three days later came back to life having victory over death so that all people who would call on his name could experience salvation. That's what we're here to do. And we're accomplishing that as much as we ever have, are we not? Now, don't get me wrong. I ain't saying I want to stay like this. I'm not saying that I don't look forward to the gathering of people. But I'm not going to look forward to the gathering of people and look over what God is wanting to do right now. What God is doing right now. that God has given us this message. And you know what? When I go back and I read about the early church, the message was always more important than the methods. If you read the book of Acts, you see this movement. In the aftermath of the miracle, God advances his movement. And in the aftermath of the miracle of the resurrection, the movement advanced exponentially. We're going to get to this in a few weeks, but on the day of Pentecost, broken, messed up Peter, who had breakfast on the beach and was restored in the eyes of Jesus, stands up and preaches the gospel for the first time. And in one sermon, the movement goes from about 125 people to over 3,000 people. And it wasn't because of great music. It wasn't driven by fancy lights. It was centered around the message of the miracle. Let me show you. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Peter stands up and he simp- this is just a little, a little snippet of his sermon on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 23 says, This man was handed over to you, talking about Jesus, by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Peter just plainly gave a message of the miracle. 
And in that day, with that simple message, thousands of people put their hope and faith in Jesus Christ. In the aftermath of the miracle, God God has always used miracles to advance his movement. And when this thing first started, it was not dependent on a single method. It was driven by the right message. If you read everything that the the disciple who became the apostle John wrote and everything that he wrote down in his books that are found in the New Testament, you see like he is very clear, like his one goal is to tell you what he experienced, what he saw and what he heard that radically changed his life. John 1, 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Like we saw it. We saw something, we heard something, we experienced something that radically changed our lives. John 20, 30 Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He said, everything I'm writing goes along with everything that I've tried to do since the moment I met Jesus is to try to get you to believe in him too. That there was this man named Jesus And I met him and I walked with him and I saw him in person. I watched him die and I watched him come back to life. And that radically changed me. (laughs) He would write some other letters that we have in the New Testament. First John chapter one, verse one says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This is what we proclaim concerning the word of life, that life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you might also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. That what propelled the movement of God after the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus was the pure, simple preaching of the message of the miracle. And so right now, the church has no excuse to sit back and act as if this season has limited our mission. It definitely has limited some of the things that we prefer to do. But if you have bought the lie that the limitations created by the coronavirus have somehow bottled up the mission of Jesus, you've missed it. You have absolutely missed it. And as long as you believe that there's limitation, you'll begin to lose motivation. Isn't that why we're starting to lose motivation? We, we feel so limited. We're limited in where we can go. We're limited in what we can do. We're limited in all these different ways. And the motivation, motivation is beginning to wane, but the reality is 
the source of our motivation is the problem. When motivation gets misplaced, mission gets lost. When motivation gets misplaced, mission gets lost. And in the early days, the early church, the early followers of Jesus, they had a lot of reasons to lose motivation. It got to the point where most of them would die for their faith in Jesus. And they would be persecuted for their faith in Jesus. And how do you stay motivated when your very life is threatening for belief? What was their motivation? The miracle. The miracle was their motivation. Their loyalty to Jesus, their loyalty to their mission was all out of motivation to the miracle. They had seen it. They had heard it. And despite all the other things that life threw at them, what they had seen and heard, what they had witnessed with their own eyes, drove them. John stood there and he watched Jesus die on the cross. He heard Jesus say to him, John, this is my mom. Take care of my mom. I'm going to a different place. But Jesus rose from the dead and John saw his physical body. He heard the sound of his voice on the other side of death. He stood there that day when Jesus said, go and make disciples. And the miracle became their motivation. Like they had seen the miracle and what they had seen and heard drove them to continue to spread the message of the mission. And all of the news, see God, the last miracle that, that God did was not raise Jesus from the dead. I think sometimes we forget that God's still a God of miracles. And maybe it's because we don't know how to measure miracles. I pastored this church now for like 12 years. And I could list miracle after miracle that I've seen. things that, that are absolutely miraculous. What I've seen people set free from, relationships that I've seen healed, I've seen miracle after miracle. And in the aftermath of every miracle, God continues to advance his movement. Just the fact that we're standing here in this building right now and we have the technology that's allowing to put this truth into your home, it's another miracle that God is using to advance his movement. And what I deeply believe is if we stay motivated through the middle and get to the aftermath, we will see a miracle. And what I, my fear is that there's some people that are in the middle and you're going to lose motivation and you're going to give up. And if you give up, you'll miss out on the miracle. I don't want to be absent in the aftermath and miss out on the miracle that God has. Because there, there, there is somebody in this whole story that was absent in the aftermath. It's somebody that nobody really wants to acknowledge. It's a person that most of us would rather vilify or demonize. His name is Judas. And when I was reading this passage of scripture again this week, I got stuck on Matthew 28, 16. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee 
to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. The 11. The day that Jesus gave the great commission to the disciples, there was one missing. There was 11 when there should have been 12. See, Judas never made it to the miracle. And now, when, when we talk about Judas, even as I'm talking about it now, maybe some people are thinking, like, that's right, he didn't, because he, he, was, he was the betrayer. He didn't deserve to see the miracle. He was the one that was willing to give up Jesus for a handful of coins. Matthew 27, verse 3, it says, When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with, with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. He says, I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. See, all of a sudden, the reality of what Jesus has, that Judas has just done, it hits him. Judas, we don't, Judas had been with Jesus all this time. I think we look at Judas and, and act as if he never really loved Jesus and he never really believed in Jesus. And I don't know why we jumped to that conclusion. He did a terrible thing. You ever done a terrible thing? We looked at Peter last week. He did a terrible thing. And the reward for his terrible thing? Grace that allowed him to stand on the day of Pentecost and preach the first gospel message. Judas recognizes what he's done and he's overwhelmed with remorse and with guilt. And if you look in the verse 5 of Matthew 27, it says, Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. And there's a part of me that weeps for Judas. That what, it, what, if, he, what if he had made it to the miracle? Judas is in the middle. All he knows is he did this horrible thing and the consequences of which are so much that the guilt causes him to lose motivation and not move forward. And he takes his own life. And I just think, like, what if, what if, he, what if he'd have made it to the miracle? What if he would have found a way to push through the guilt and made it to the other side? What if he didn't stop in the middle what if he would, he would have made it to the miracle and got to see Jesus raised from the dead? This is what I, I, I believe in my heart because everything I know about Jesus makes me believe this. That he did the same thing for Judas that he did for Peter. He would have embraced him and he would have forgiven him and he would have loved him and he would have offered him forgiveness 
that if, if Judas would have made it to the miracle, he would have been invited to be a part of the movement. And all the testimony that he would have had that yes, I did this terrible thing and the guilt that overwhelmed me and, and the, the pain that I caused in the middle. But I made it to the miracle and I watched Jesus come back to life and I realized that even the mistake that I made wouldn't be final. Then in the aftermath of the miracle, I found forgiveness and got to be a part of the movement. What if Judas would have just made it to the miracle? What if he had not been absent in the aftermath? I don't want to be absent in the aftermath. I know that right now that we're in the middle. And many of us are starting to lose motivation. But can I just encourage you? Don't lose motivation in the middle and miss out on the miracle because there is one coming that what God is setting up in this season is going to be What if an awakening is coming? What if we are on the doorstep of revival all over our world? And I know like in the middle, it's hard to see that. In the middle on Saturday, it was hard for Peter to believe that just a few days later, a few weeks later, he would stand before thousands of people and watch them give their lives to Jesus. It's hard to see the miracle in the middle. It's easy to lose motivation in the middle, but don't lose motivation in the middle and miss out on the miracle that God has in store. Because in the aftermath of the miracle, God advances his movement. And the miracle that waits in the aftermath of our current situation is going to advance the movement of God unlike anything that we've ever seen in our generation. Revival is on the way. There's a miracle on the way. And this miracle is going to be leveraged by our God to bring more people to Jesus than we've ever seen in our entire lives. So don't be absent in the aftermath. Don't lose motivation in the miracle. In the middle, the miracle is on the way. God, I pray that you would help us to stay motivated in the middle. To keep in mind that in the aftermath is when you do your greatest miracles. And you leverage those miracles to advance your movement. And God, we want to be a part of it. We want to experience it. We want to see it, we want to hear it, and we want to watch it spread all over our world. We want to be a part of it. We want to sit on the sidelines. We don't want to be spectators. We want to be participators in what you have in the season that lies after the one that we're in, where we rejoice and we watch people 
people that we thought never would fall at your feet and trust in you for salvation and experience an awakening like we've never seen before. So God, help us to stay strong, to keep trusting you, to believe that we're in the middle of a miracle in the making. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.